welcome to the Gridiron Crew podcast, an American football podcast made in Scotland by NFL lovers. Well, it can only be one thing, the most important review crew of the season. It is time for the Super Bowl review and I am your host, Brian, the conscience of Cleveland Donlin. Now, as always, everybody, remember, like, subscribe, follow the crew. You can find us on X, we're on Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. And folks, that's it. That's the season done and dusted, and what a season we have had. But before we start to worry about the dark times, the dreaded, dreaded off-season, or to be fair, if you're a Panthers fan, the blessed off-season, um, let's take one more chance to relive a weekend of football and what a weekend of football we had. The weekend of football. It was, of course, Super Bowl 58. Now, as always, I'm joined by some of the finest crew members that we have available. And um, he's not normally seen this often this early in the week. But this week, we are delighted to have our resident Rootin' Tootin' Cowboy. Yes, Jerry, he is available to play any position for a modest fee. It is uh, Dan. How are you doing, sir? Yeah, it's a bit unusual. It's uh, normally I'm still hibernating at this time of the week. <laughs> uh, but we have no preview crew next week. Football's done. No more previews. So I thought, do you know what? I'll come in and part my useless knowledge on uh, the review crew. I, I, absolutely. Uh, as We need somebody to be on, on this show with some knowledge. Um, now, well, so certainly not me. Um, moving on, we'll get, we'll get somebody that's had a better year than he thought he was going to have. And, and fittingly, with Valentine's upon us, he has been feeling the love all year and he's looking to feel the love in the future. Uh, as Liam, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you. Yes, obviously. A bit sad the season's now over, but it's been one hell of a season. So, yeah, look forward to chatting the last review, review crew of the year. It's, it's interesting, and I'd say for, uh, for for you and all the, the, the denizens of the frozen north in Green Bay, it, it'll be an interesting one looking ahead, but more about that later. Now, now, it is time for us to welcome the man of the earth, the man who puts the invitational into Arrowhead, the man who always had faith, and the man who Dan had to suffer with for hours on Sunday night. It is the big chief himself. It is Studs, the happiest man in the land of the gridiron. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm, obviously I'm fantastic given what happened on Sunday. Um, how's, how's the heat? The, the heat's actually all right. I thought it'd be worse considering I was at the go-kart yesterday. That was certainly a bit of a challenge <laughs> after, <laughs> after Sunday night. Um, my throat is actually probably just getting back to a bit of normality as well. So, um, But having chatted with the guys at Arrowhead Abroad a little bit today, I'm glad to see I wasn't the only one that was suffering for a sore throat still. Well, to say, be fair, this is, look, he is, he's fresh as a daisy, <laughs> loving it because he's, he's bold of success. He's so accustomed to it that he's not. He didn't even celebrate that much. He was like, "Oh, oh, a super, another, another Super Bowl." I just add it, add it to the pile in the corner. Just add it over there. Put it with the rest of them. I think I'll need actually. Later. I'll need to make some room in there because I've got a Sammy Watkins signed one for the Miami one. That one that you can see just here's the Kelsey one for the Eagles. I'll need to try and see what what I can get for the 
for this one inscribed by Super Bowl champs. You can really go off some folk, that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> uh, used to like you, mate. Uh, right, but yes, it is uh, it is time for us to, to review all things of Super Bowl. But before we do it, as always, we like to get going with our kick-off question of the week. Now, this week, we are looking ahead to the future in all things, not Super Bowl 58, but Super Bowl 59, as we will be looking forward to next year. So it is another two-part. I'm enjoying a two-part kickoff question. I feel like I get more bang for my buck out of you guys when I go for a two-parter. So we've got a two-parter kickoff question. First, who is your way too early Super Bowl 59 teams? Who is going to, you know, uh, yes, I am well aware that it is still February 2024. However, when we reach February 2025, who is going to be in the Super Bowl and who is going to hoist that trophy? And I'll be very interested to see if we can just go four for four with Homer picks. Um, <laughs> see, see if anybody does near the faith. Uh, then part B of this question that we know that Super Bowl 59 is going to be held in New Orleans. But where would you love to see a Super Bowl played? Where in the United States? So somewhere that it could be played. And why is it Cleveland? It's been absolutely jumping in there to say Cleveland. I just thought I'd get that one. You can't have Cleveland. But that's, that's too obvious. Right. Okay. Uh, who, who, wants to, who wants first crack at it? Who, who wants to get in there and, and get in quick? With their, uh, their, their Super Bowl teams and where the Super Bowl should be held next. Start, would you, we get studs out of the way so that we can we can deal with insufferableness. Who will the Chiefs be taking on? Uh, have you guys actually seen the logo? Yes. What, uh, the, Tampa Bay, the Tampa Bay Red, isn't it? The red and yellow. Now, who's the, who, what team wears red and yellow? Oh, the yellow, isn't it? <laughs> They've got it on for the three people already. It's, uh, so the Chiefs are obviously I'm gonna go Chiefs. Um right. so I'm I'm gonna go for his going for the three P and I was actually I was thinking back to who I'd picked in my in my playoff predictor this year. I think I actually had the Cowboys, believe it or not, as my first pick in there, Dan. I didn't actually see them getting hosed by the Packers in the first round, but no, they're not. But um, even Liam did they? <laughs> ah, Liam called it. Liam had that. I'm still, I'm, I'm still, I'm still loving the dream. I re- re- rewinding that all the time in that game. So. <laughs> But uh, I'll I'll go for one. They were they were close this year. Got to the championship game. I'm going to go for the Detroit Lions. Chiefs versus Lions. This is going to make some of my picks pretty fucking dull. Uh, right, okay. Uh, I'll, I'll save me for the end. <laughs> see see if see if my other team can get picked. Um, Liam, what about yourself, mate? Who? Oh, sorry. No, whoa, 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 whoa. Where? Where did you want to see one? Again, we've had the Arrowhead Invitational there for so many years. It would be good to see a Super Bowl. We hosted the draft. So, again, Arrowhead would be the homer pick, um, if I'm honest. But this one will probably be music to Liam's ears. I think actually having one in Lambo, um, I realise how difficult that would be, obviously, given the time of year. I think Lambo would be that would be the biggest challenge with Lambo Field, to be honest. But I think having one at Lambo would be phenomenal. It's a good show. 
I've got a funny feeling Liam will agree with that. Yeah, uh, no complaints there. <laughs> so, from, from, from setting up the cheese head, uh, Liam, what about yourself? Who, who are your way too early picks to make it? And uh, where where would you like to see it held? So, um, well, I suppose I probably should go home and pick with the Packers, shouldn't I? You know, after the season, he's going, go, keep going, yeah. keep going. Um, but I'm on the AFC... I've split between two. I want to say Bengals, but I also want to say Texans, just because they've been fun all season. So we'll go Texans. Some two young, 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 young teams coming up, totally new. Why not? Um... Imagine that. Imagine <laughs> a Green Bay Packers, a Jordan Love-led Green Bay Packers playing the Texans. I think it'd be a fun game if they can relive the start, start of the playoff form. Um, so yeah, that's what I'll go for. Why not? Um, I- I kind of a bit like team, uh, kind of host place, quite like Studs was saying. I, I think it'd be quite cool to have somewhere cool just for the fun of it. So you know, like, why not have a snow game? Go play in the bills and have a like a snowball uh, and see how it ha- see what happens. <laughs> yeah, we're going to go play as far north as we can. Basically, CFL, no domes. Yeah, no domes. No, they canceling it either. Get right and about it and play in the snow. It it, it would be something. It it would be something. I don't know how Taylor Swift would respond to this, though. Um, <laughs> Dan, what about yourself? Who, who are your, who, who's your one team? Because we know who your NFC team will be. Uh, yeah, who's who's joining you for the AFC? And, and where you would you love to see it? There a bit. Taylor Swift in the snow, surely she would just shake it off. Way! <laughs> how to be done? Um, I'm, I'm disappointed I didn't think it first, I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, obviously... Cowboys for me, but and Liam's kind of stole man, so I was hoping for, I'm hoping for the Texans. I think they're just going to get better and better. Um, and I think uh, a Texas Derby for the for the Super Bowl that would be an interesting storyline. Um, I, I like I don't know I like the idea you know better and better, and, and I've thoroughly enjoyed what well other than one game thoroughly enjoyed watching the Texans this year. Um, about <laughs> about one very specific game, um, but better and better to. Super Bowl better. Well, they got close, didn't they? Divisional, divisional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's mean, true. So... It's true. One further than me. Uh, right. <laughs> so there you go. Okay, so we've got the tech. We've got we've got the Texas, the the, the tussle in Texas. We've got the tech. We've got the battle of Texas. Where is it being held, or where would you like to see one held? I mean, in theory, you really should have that game at AT and T, and you. It's Texas, two Texas teams in Texas. Um, I, I don't know. Some of the Houston would feel about that. Is that? <laughs> I don't know how the Texans would feel about that. <laughs> would it be anything? Would it be a different thing? They would still be Cowboys fans anyway. Where, 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 this is, this is like Scottish football here. Where exactly is the Hamden of Texas? Like, where is that neutral venue we could put both teams? The Alamo Dome. <laughs> I, well, there's like, like, I don't know, is there, is there a Queen's Park equivalent in Texas? Probably, the, the, Longhorns, the Longhorns, Longhorns Stadiums are not. Aye, aye, um, but um, yeah, I don't know. Where, I mean, in terms of Super Bowls, we, we spoke about this before we come on here. And for me to see for a Super Bowl, I'd love to go to New Orleans as a fan, I'd love to go to Santa Clara as a fan. But as we discussed, that's where the next two Super Bowls are, so those answers are kind of yeah. off the cards. Um, I think I'd like to go to one of the new kind of newer stadiums to watch a game, maybe. Minnesota or Atlanta, maybe one of those two kind of new stadiums yeah. just to see how cool they look. 
Yeah, it'd be what? interesting to see one of those. Right, I've, I'm, I'm a bit of a cop out there. Right, my team's funny enough, the Browns. Uh, and, and then Studs knackered me uh, and pinched my second one. I, I, Browns Lions, I think I, I would love it. That'd be brilliant. Um, well, in no small part because the Browns would be in a Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> but aye, that, that would be, that, there, there's my, my way to it. Oh no, I should go with my colour, my, my colour conspiracy pick. So the, it's clearly Seahawks green. Like, that is clearly. Oh no, sorry, we can't even see Hawks team. That's not going to work. Right, so we're going to have Jet, New York Jets team. Right, so the Jets are making the Super Bowl. Rogers will return and lead them to the promised land only for them to become undone. And the only team that plays in red worth talking about, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> and Baker leading the Bucks. Imagine Baker Super Bowl Imagine, imagine him there. He wouldn't be able to cope with it. He'd be running all over the place. Imagine <laughs> how many insurance adverts there would be. <laughs> I think I think Brian would explode more if the Bucks and Mayfield made the Super Bowl than the Browns did. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, let's not go too far. Well, well, if it's the Browns being led by a very particular quarterback, I, I may be somewhat subdued. If if we brought Flacco back and he led us to the Super Bowl, I'd have that. Well, by more of us, the Browns it. against the Bucks. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I think Brian's I just left the podcast. I, 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 I genuinely don't know, don't know where, where I would land. I'd be, I'd be delighted and devastated at the same time. I'd be like cheering on Miles, but then not cheering on Miles because I realise who he's about to smash. Um, and you know, I'm going to write my, my, my out there where I would where I would like to, to see it, and this is one where it clearly just could never be because the stadium is infinitely too small. Um, but I would just like the the story that would go with this. That uh, and does anybody know what the, the Tom Benson Stadium is? That the thing we game the Hall of Fame game. Yeah, Canton. Yeah, host the Super Bowl near the, the near the Football Hall of Fame just just for the. It's only a 20,000 seat stadium, so imagine how expensive the tickets would be. <laughs> pay $500 million and you are allowed to park nearby. Um, but I, there you go, that'd be mine. I'd like, I think that'd be interesting. Somewhere like that, it would be just football hall of fame, but history, not that. Right, okay. Less of this pick. We've got a game to talk about, and there is only one game to talk about, and it was the Super Bowl. And we are going to start, chaps, with the tail of the tape all we are looking for here is what are your thoughts where you know studs i'm going to come to you last because you are, are going to be dead boring and it gives you time to work yourself up um <laughs> just just work yourself up uh gents what was what was our, our big kind of our big thoughts our big takeaways we're going to go into some of the nitty gritty as we go through the pod so don't worry folks if everybody else and if you think you're missing something here we've, we've got the big moments are all chopped up but what, what were you as you sat watching the game on Sunday? What were the big things that you took away from it? What were we thinking? Yeah. Fire in, folks. I'll go. Uh, Christian McCaffrey did not really turn up. No. He was expected to be the one running 80 yards on the ground, 80 yards in the air. But I know you got that touchdown, but for your key player, I think you're, you're hoping for more. But I could potentially be the, the Chief D in the way he schemed against him. But for all the hype, that he got, I just don't think he lived up to the, the, the expectations that the fans probably had on him. That so that, that would be MVP elect Christian McCaffrey, obviously winner of the offensive player of the year. Um, but he came out with a whopping 
3.6 yards per carry on the ground. Now, yeah, these air yards as well, which were much more efficient. It was 10 yards uh, per reception. Um, but you look at, at where he's been all year, and yeah, it's... You're right, this is going to be a wee bit of a theme of the pod, um, because it was a theme of the game. Is that an offensive player struggling, or is that Spag and that Kansas defence... That Kansas defense that all year has struggled against the ground game, stepping up when it really, really needed to, and really being being the the defensive unit that they had to be. What do we think? Is that it was CMC poor, or was the Chiefs they just really? Yeah, I don't think he was poor, but yeah, I think you're expecting more, as you see. That's but then I suppose that's the chat all leading up to how much he was going to run on run on the Kansas City defense and. I suppose fair play to Kansas. They knew that what they were going to do, and they stopped them. Pretty well, not stopped them, but limited his his kind of big playability. I suppose certainly in the running game. So yeah, the other thing I kind of I kind of thought was interesting was Kittle. They kind of Kittle didn't really get much. Obviously, he does obviously Kittle does a lot more blocking maybe than what Kelsey does. But you you know he's kind of had a bit of an up and down season Kittle, but he just didn't really. He didn't. I don't know what really happened. Didn't really use him like as a, a receiver that often. Oh. Um, you know, it's interesting with Kittle because the, the excuse that I always hear for Kittle, and it's not an excuse, that's not fair. The the reason for Kittle's down games, in terms of receptions and, and yardage and all the rest, yeah, is always when Debo is on, Debo is doing Debo things, Kittle is not the man in that offense for receptions. He's he's doing the he's doing the dirty work, yeah, he's blocking, like, yeah. he's doing yeah. pass protection, da, 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 da. that's fair, yeah, definitely. Kittle's excellent. Um Excellent blocking, excellent pass protection. Job skill. Two receptions for a whopping four yards. <laughs> Debo, so right, surely then, by this logic, Debo was acquitted himself well. Three receptions, 33 yards. And he had, what, he had three carries for a whopping eight yards. So... Yeah. 11 yeah, targets for Debo as well. Yeah. Say that again, Stats? He had 11 targets, Debo. So it's not as if they were trying to feed him. He had some like 11 yeah. targets, but he yeah. did injure his hamstring, in fairness, to Debo. Yeah. Just going back yeah, to the injured the hamstring. Wait, I was... Um... Oh, I'm not trying to remember exactly when the game was. It was third. It was after the second half. It was into the second half. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was... So he had a full half to get going. Right, studs. Look, I'm, worried he's, I'm worried he's undoing his trousers. Uh, I'm, 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 it's not that kind of pod, but that's your assuming he's got to come on. <laughs> I, actually, I can only for, for the sake of those listening and not watching, I can only see studs from kind of mid chest up. What's going on below that is anyone's guess. I went opposite Jason Kelsey this time. He had the trousers on with a tap. I've got top with a trousers on. <laughs> Uh, right, it was your night, mate. Your team stepped up in the biggest stage possible. Talk, talk us through your your big moments of this game. For me, the the biggest moments were, it was the defense. Spags drew up a game plan, and we've been saying it all all season. I'm actually one of the things I'm delighted with, and I know it's something Stu's obviously been delighted with with Captain Lou up in Cincinnati is the fact that nobody's come in for him for a head coaching job. He's really went under the radar for me. He has. Last, well, he's more or less had the same defence he won the Super Bowl with last year, so he's not trying to impart a new scheme. Charles Amenehu is really the only addition 
uh, Drew Tranquil was here this season as well. So you're maybe talking two players like that full defence that he's had to impart his scheme onto. And I mean, you're talking about the youngest defence in the league as well. It's an average age of 25, I think. Chris Jones is probably our oldest. He's probably I, our oldest I player. I not know that. And I thought actually, I think I didn't know this, but I've forgotten it. I did not know that you were the youngest in the league. I would have thought that would have been Getz, for example. Yeah. No, I think we'll get that. The youngest average age, so we're 25, I think our average age works out that. Um, and I think Jones is going to be 31 when the season starts. He's probably our oldest player, if I was to think about it. But it's it. For me, and I was saying this to Dan when we were in the committee rooms, it was really some of the kind of unsung guys that kind of stepped in. Um, so I'm going oh. to come on to probably the main one in a minute. But um, Mike Pinnell, uh, the edge he kind of took Omenichu's uh, place when he obviously had that ACL injury. So I was kind of worried as to who was going to step in there. Um, he's He was on that edge, two tackles, six tackle assists. So it goes to show that he was kind of getting home. Um, but for me, probably the unsung hero of the game was Leo Chanel. Yeah, we all know. We all know what he done on the block PAT, right? He's the one that gets his hand up for that massive block. Um, but what we probably forget is he's the one that actually caused the McCaffrey fumble on the first try. Mm-hmm. Um, he knocks it out, and then I was watching uh, Baldy's breakdowns today on Leo Chanel as well, and he really set that edge. So when Debo's trying to do his jet sweep. Chanel's got that edge set, forcing him inside to Bolton for the tackle. Um, again, and he was doing it with McCaffrey as well. He was setting that edge so McCaffrey couldn't get to the outside. He had to come inside to where all the traffic was and to where those guys are going to hit him and the linebackers were setting up. So for me, Leo Chanel on that defence was was a real unsung hero for me. Yeah. Right. Do you know what? I'm just going back on the McCaffrey point. I'm just counting up there. The Chiefs D line had 10 tackles, solo tackles. That's why McCaffrey never got his yards. Because if that D line is making that many solo tackles, and then forget you've got Nick Bolton behind him with five solo tackles as well. <laughs> so of, of McCaffrey's 22 attempts, 10 of them were probably stopped at the line of scrimmage or just beyond the line of scrimmage. That's yeah. for a team that's 26 and, against the run defense, that's a huge step up in a, in a big game. A hundred percent of that neatly. I'll bring this on to our, our, our next talking point. <laughs> uh, so, big moments. Uh, start working our way through some of the kind of specific moments of the game. Uh, I'll just kind of specific thoughts about the game. Uh, the opening drives. Now, the two opening drives we've seen, obviously. First opening drive. Studs, you can't tell me that during that opening drive, right up until a critical moment, you weren't a wee bit concerned. Because you had Pumpty and the Niners smooth. And it was smooth, that opening drive. Right up until a certain Mr. Chanel batters a ball free. And do you know what do you know a thing on that on, on that force fumble? See when you've seen in the coverage Chanel going back to the sideline, like he wasn't like being daft, he wasn't like getting dead. He just went back and just sat down and he just looked laser focused. Like there was no mucking about in his head at all. Um, so yeah, the, that opening drive for the Niners obviously was looking great up until a big error, and then you expect big things for Kansas. And frankly, your opening drive was crap as well. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was no, no points in the first quarter kind of tells its own story. It tells you that the defences come out firing for both teams. So what, what, what were the thoughts when we, as we were watching that and we were kind of getting our, getting yourself settled, getting yourself organised as you go, you sit there and you've got your, your first drive, what, this is where I've got it in front of me to double check, so a 48 yards drive by the Niners before the fumble and then I'm glad I'm glad everybody's seated to relive this moment because it was so monumental. Six yards Kansas City before the punt. Um did that did that set you up for the game though? Did that tell you the, the story that you were about to live through? I think it kind of showed you for me, like obviously we'd spoke about the 49ers kind of starting slow. So what we really seen, certainly in offense from them in that opening drive was probably a kind of reversal of what they'd done against the Lions and what they'd done against the Packers, where they weren't moving the ball as freely in those games. They seemed to be getting on their first drive, they were getting ahead of the chains, they were going to be getting the six, seven yards off McCaffrey at the start, and then obviously Chanel's come up with a massive, massive play on that front, which just goes, that was really when we kind of started um, on, on that kind of possession. It was really just that kind of kick-started that defence um, for me and showed that, do you know what, we're not going to be pushed around. We then started seeing the D-line starting to kind of live up to the task. I mean, Trent Williams is a man mountain. We've seen that. Um, and I think on the recovery, I think George Kalaftis probably felt all of Trent Williams because it was Trent Williams that lands on him first. Um, yeah. When he recovers that ball. <laughs> well, there's, there's quite a lot of Trent Williams to land on you. But he is not <laughs> what anyone would describe as a slight gentleman. No, d- definitely. And then, again, it just... For me, it really just kick-started our defence and the defence really went for strength to strength off that drive. Um, we started to allow very little on the run game. We tightened up. Um, our coverage, for the most part, was was pretty good. And again, you can see that in their receiving stats as well. Um, so it just goes to show how big a play that Chanel one was, um, really just to kind of start the ball rolling for us. And then when it flipped onto the offence, it was literally just the Niners... I'd mentioned it on the preview. I wanted to see his run the ball with Pacheco early because that seemed to be where Aaron Jones was beating them. It seemed to be where Gibbs, Montgomery, you're looking at these guys, all excellent running backs. Pacheco himself, an excellent running back. You wanted to see him start to run the ball at them. And the offensive line just wasn't able to get any gaps on for him. Uh, do we think? I'm going to say, just, uh, I'm going to move on to the next drive, so if you want to, I'll leave it there. No, I was going to say, we're talking about the play, so obviously the Niners in that first drive lost the ball, right? So that's going to knock their confidence a bit. But then on their next possession, they got off to a cracking start with like an 18-yard reception, so it got them to midfield very quickly after that Chiefs punt. But the problem they then had is they back-to-back Trent Williams penalties, back-to-back mm-hmm. plays, which basically went from the 42 to their own 25. Yep. That's, you, can't, you can't do that anyway, but you can't do that in a Super Bowl when you get basically at midfield. Well, after I got an 18 yard pass, I give you a bit of momentum. We might okay, a two yard minus two yard run, but then to take 15 yards off yourself on second down and put yourself in second and 27, you're just asking for trouble already. So that's suddenly the first two Niners drives, obviously the fumble, and then putting ourselves right behind the sticks. You can't start a game with that. Yeah, I think it's just, 
I just I just thought like, the start of the game, even for both sides, maybe a bit cliche, but it just felt like a, a kind of final. They were just everyone was just kind of stolen. It kind of just felt that way. I thought, you know, obviously, I know the fumble, and then obviously the case, even KC still punting. You know, it, okay, the defenses were playing well, but was it just a bit of nerves all around? I don't know. It just, and I suppose. Casey Vainley kind of turned it around. Okay, also, obviously, San Francisco had, had their moments, but it just, it was a strange kind of for, for quarter, first half, I thought, you know, so, so low scoring. Um, I suppose that's one of the actually, quite funny, my, my son stayed up for the first time to watch the Super Bowl, and um, they commented about how slow scoring it was, and they're like, what's going on? So, <laughs> so um, yeah, it was it was a bit, I don't know, it was a bit, was it just nerves kind of all round for the offences? Who knows? KG, KG, I think you yeah. described it. was a yeah. KG start. They were kind of we were we bit like a boxing match. They were kind of feeling each other out a wee bit in the, the opening exchanges. Um, and and you did, and as I say, you can't have this dancing. You can't have penalties like that. You can't have many. You know what I mean? We've all we've all seen it. We've all had our own teams do it. When you go in some crazy drive and then you lose it all to penalty to penalty to penalty, and you're raging and you just get stop it, wrong way. And, and you know it, it doesn't help, you know, when the when, when the refs on the chief's pocket, uh, you know, it, it just doesn't help when I mean, they refuse to. Like, it was it was it was a stat that, that Keith shared with us today that you know not a single holding call. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure sure a certain Mister Bosa would have uh, something to say about that. Um, this this I, I do need to kind of disclaim that the Chiefs actually did have more penalties in the night than the Niners did. Uh, but that's not the point. That ruins the narrative. Uh, <laughs> that ruins the story. But yeah, it's, it was interesting. And I suppose this is where it did set up for me, anyway. But was one of the big stories of the whole game that offense wins games. We hear it all the time. It's such an old footballing cliche. Offense wins games. Defense wins championships. And it, and it was a game where it... But you know what? Here's, here's the question around the room then. Was this a case of offences stuttering and struggling to get going? Or was this a game of defences stopping offence? You know, this Was it poor offensive play or was it just defences were just absolutely electric? What do, what do we think? I think for um, KC, I was going to say either that... Um... They've kind of been like that all season. They've been struggling at times, but you need to get in the, get in the scores when you need to get the scores. So it's kind of been the same offense all season, I think, for KC. Whereas the Niners, yeah, I think they struggled. I think their defense did all right in the first half. I think their offense struggled to fully get going. Like, you know, the first touchdown was the trick play, which is great. Great to see. Good good fun, but it's still a trick play, so it's not really, you know, the routine offense, I suppose. So I think, yeah, I think, I think the Niners, I think they definitely struggled. Offense-wise, I think well, looking at well, the actual overall yards of the game, it doesn't look that way. If you look at it, I mean, the Niners total yards three hundred eighty-two, Chiefs total yards four hundred and fifty-five. I mean, the Chiefs were three two five through the air, and the Forty-Niners are two seven two. They aren't the worst stats. The problem was no. the scoring; they just couldn't yeah. score. Yeah. So they were moving the ball and they were doing decent things with the ball. They just won the score. I mean, average pass yards: nine, Niners six point eight per pass, Chiefs six point six. That's that's good numbers for an average pass attempt. That's over a first down every second pass. Do you know what I mean? Yep. So the numbers were there in terms of uh, offensive stats and yards, but 
It didn't reflect in the scoring. Yeah. And it, it ends then that one. Well, hang on. Our, our, our real story, actually. The real story of the entire game. And the real thing that I want to hear Studs apologise for. What is Pat doing with Juwan Jennings' Super Bowl MVP? A word. Yeah. <laughs> right. Try, 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 try to tell Juwan Jennings we throwing a touchdown catch. It, it, it was incredible. Uh, but it's not as bad when you look at his final stats. Jennings threw for what, 20? <laughs> he threw for 20 that mattered. Mahomes has got something to say. Right, I'm going to jump in here in defence studs for a wee second. The oh, no, both, don't do that. The two of us both said if the Niners had won that Super Bowl, Jennings was getting the MVP. 100%. It was, it was, there was no shadow of it about it. You can't throw for a touchdown, receive for a touchdown, have a game like that and not get an MVP. He, he, would, have, he would have been MVP if the Niners had won a Super Bowl. How, how raging do you reckon that would have made Brock Purdy? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I think... Mr. Irrelevant wins a Super Bowl and <laughs> Joanne Jennings gets, gets MVP. <laughs> It's probably a bit of a story of his career, to be fair, that he's been overlooked anyway, but the fact is, I think his Super Bowl ring, if they had won it, would have consoled them greatly, because it wouldn't have mattered. Again, it's the whole team. If you look at Rob Purdy, he's sitting there or only earning about 800000 a year, so he's, he knows he's not the star man in the team, but let's be honest, he's took them to a championship game and he's took them to a Super Bowl. Um, so, again, going with how he's played... You only feel that the Niners are going to be a threat again next year. I think they've got some some bills to pay, um, shall we say, this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think right now they're over the cap, so they've got those kind of things to kind of figure out. Um, but I, I think Brock Purdy well, will be there or thereabouts. Well, the inter- an interesting one to, to, to slightly step ahead to next year stuff for, for but a moment. I don't know if anybody has caught uh, Brandon Ayuk's brother. On, I don't know if it's Instagram or X, put a wee bit out earlier today. I don't know if anybody's seen this. No, no, no. This was the basically a, 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 a exceptionally uncryptic uh, tweet that was basically blah, blah, blah. This is why we don't want to play here. This is why we'll be leaving San Francisco. So, oh. Mr. Ayuk might be one of the bills that they don't need to worry about next year. Um, but yes, I think. Uh, the Niners in Shanahan will be there or thereabouts consistently. Um, yeah, they, they will be. The NFC is uh, not as tricky to navigate, I'm going to say. If there's a handful of teams in the NFC you would say you'll see consistently, and the, the Niners are certainly one of them. Um, right, okay. Moving on to this is one of, I think, one of many people's favourite big moments from the game. And I'm taking I'm taking credit for this name. A kill explosion. We've seen the big moment where a certain Mr. Kelsey, and it wasn't Jason getting exceptionally over over animated. He saved getting exceptionally animated for later on. Um exploding towards Big Red to Andy, barging right up to him and right in his face. And I'll be honest, when I watched that live, I didn't actually think Andy had noticed. Uh <laughs> he kind of kind of shrugged that and we went, what are you doing? Uh, and moved on. It was a big. Is this just a sign of a, of a player that's that's exceptionally passionate about what they're doing, and he's just full of the fire to win, or 
should should Andy Reid have been over a wee bird? Should Andy Reid have been taking that? Well, but the point I made before we went live and before you joined us, studs, that was Miko Hardman. <laughs> if that is any Kansas City Chiefs player who was not named Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, or Chris Jones, would they have been back in in the next series? I'd say to Dan, I'll be surprised if he's back out for the next drive, um, to be honest. I think if it's anybody who's not as, and I'm trying to think how to word this politely, as sturdy as Andy Reid, shall we say, then I, I think that they would have been uh, on their ass, let's be brutally honest. But um, I know for me, you don't do that to your head coach. I don't care what kind of relationship you've got. These two, I mean, obviously Andy Reid, drafted him and his brother um, when he was Eagles head coach and then drafted him and there's obviously the famous story where he gets Travis to pass the phone over to Jason and asks the question, is he going to screw this up? And Jason Jason basically answers for him and that's that's where Reed's going to drafted him. Um, so you, uh, they've obviously got a tight relationship but you don't do that to your head coach. Um, I don't care how frustrated you get or whatever, and I think it was because it, it wasn't in for the Pacheco fumble. He felt that he should have been in the game at that point, um, especially given the play we'd had before that, where it was, a, it was the first time the offense really sparked to life with the monster pass to Michael Hartman. Um, you're in the red zone. We know, obviously, Travis Kelsey's older. The red zone's where he thrives, but you still don't react like your head coach. Do you know what I mean? So I, I was surprised he was out in the next drive, um, to be perfectly honest. I don't know if maybe Reed's had a word with him off camera whilst the 49ers had possession to cool him down and smooth things over. Maybe he had, maybe apologised. I don't know. I'll, what I will say is I'm, I'm looking forward to the New Heights podcast this week to hear <laughs> that because I, can, I don't think Jason will let that one slide. I think that will definitely be one that's discussed on there. Yeah, I Scott. think... Um, I mean, we, we spoke about it at the time, so we didn't think Kelsey was in for the next drive, but just any motions for the other side, we spotted them. But I think it's it's a huge thing by Andy Reid because you know what? See, a head coach could easily have reacted there and benched them for that behavior. But Andy Reid's probably thinking to win this game, I need him in the game, and he's put that aside. He maybe deal with it later. I mean, maybe in, in privacy, deal with it and give him a dress now, maybe fine, and whatever it'll be. But Andy Reid's thought there and thought, no, I need him to win this game. And that's what comes yeah. first, is winning this game and whatever he happens to have. I mean, Andy Reid was asked about it after the game and he kind of just downplayed it. And he basically said something like, oh, he keeps me young, keeps me on my toes. Um, he just caught me off balance <laughs> or something like that. He's young, he only keeps you dead. <laughs> <laughs> so, but maybe Andy Reid didn't think anything of it and he just, he knows it's a, it's a passionate player that, and like I said before we came on, maybe they've got that type of relationship where they get in each other's faces and it, it drives both of them on and you maybe just don't see it because he maybe keep it for the dressing room or the, the training field, do you know what I mean? So, uh, Andy Reid obviously uh, publicly didn't have an issue with it. So, we can only assume that if he was going to do something, he'll do it in the privacy of the, the team. An interesting no. one because it's, there's a lot of that. On you go, Liam, what are you saying, mate? No, I was just going to say, like, I suppose I like touched on is it just the relationship? I always like remember seeing I think it was Brady like screaming at his uh, offensive offensive coordinator at the time. Um McDaniels was it, I think then. And they seemed to just do that, they used to scream at each other and then that was fine. But it wasn't I think that one was a because it was so in his face, I think it was a bit I agree it's a bit shouldn't have done it, but overboard because you could maybe shout at him in anger and they can shout back at each other, fair enough. But just the way it was kinda in his personal space, if you want to call it that, I think it was just a bit 
bit a bit over the top. But yeah, I think he's Andy Reid's dealt with it the right way, I suppose, deal with it off camera and in, in the privacy of of their own their own house sort of thing and, and deal with it that way if they have to. It's an interesting so here's, here's my, my thought on it, right? So you've obviously done and to be fair, as we've heard Gareth, the studs kind of summarised that the frustration seems to have been that Kelsey felt that if he was in in the play with the Pacheco fumble, he would have had a blocking responsibility but he could have stopped the fumble happening. So he's he's frustrated that he wasn't able to stop a bad play happening. Um, and it's, all, it's all come out now and you've seen the bit in the post game where he's talking about how much he loves Andy Reid and how much he owes him and, and all this kind of chat, you know, how, how much he's, he's indebted to Coach Reid. If Kansas lose that game, if it goes the other way, and, Tra- and Travis Kelsey at that point was one reception for one yard. That was it. Now, he finished off with a perfectly respectable line. Nine receptions, uh, 93 yards. You know what I mean? So he's picked up eight receptions for 92 yards, which sounds even better. Um, if the result doesn't go the way that Kansas City needed it to go, I don't know. Is he walking? Because at the end of the day, he's going to walk away for that interaction relatively unscathed. Aye, okay. Coach Reed might insert a foot between his nuts and uh, behind closed doors and a in the, in the changing room and all the rest of it, but then the day they won a Super Bowl, so you're not going to get too aggravated about it. It doesn't go that way, though. Oh, like, is that the kind of thing that's going to cause serious problems? Wouldn't it? Like, is somebody studs somebody that's as important to Kansas City's success as Travis Kelsey has been? I I think that's the story of the Super Bowl of wheelers. I really do. I think that just mm-hmm. bypasses everything. Um, the game doesn't go our way. We've seen it this year, probably for the first time, um, when you've seen the Chiefs' frustrations really boiling over throughout the season. Um, it's normally they're very composed, um, they're very relaxed, but we've seen Pat losing the rag at referees um, this year um, and openly called them out. You've seen Andy Reid even backing Mahomes up after that one and calling, um, calling referees out. So there is a very fine line between that passion and going and going further. Um, the Chiefs have also came out on the right side of that line at this time because it has fired the team up. Um, but you can't consistently be like that, essentially. They need to find a sort of calmness, a sort of in-between that passion and fire and still remaining calm and pushing on to do what you need to do. And Maybe that incident galvanised them at halftime. Um do you know what I mean? Because there was only, I think there was only a couple of drives before we got to halftime and we, we obviously we lost the touchdown and we get the field goal. So there was only a few drives after that that happened. Maybe they get in the changing room and that that fiery, fiery incident just kind of sparked them up and said, no, wait a minute, need to channel this right. We're still well within this game. We're getting the ball back. And albeit the second half probably didn't start the way that they envisioned with the fumble and then the interception. But maybe the maybe that wee incident did just spark something in them, take it out, unite them a bit more and make them realise, you know what, we are playing like dog shit. We need to get a figure out here and let's go. It's it is interesting. So, right. so and then we'll we'll deal with this briefly because it makes me so happy to talk about this. But I I I've I've been thinking of looking at a, what I think is actually a, a, a slightly unsurprising but deeper story around this. From one kill explosion to Another kill explosion, which I'm fairly certain happened probably 
towards the latter stages of the Chiefs uh, celebratory party, as I am entirely 100% certain that a certain Jason Kelsey's guts exploded out of him with great, great gusto, um, with the, the vigour with which that man was celebrating. Uh, I, I take it we've all been enjoying watching Jason Kelsey bounce about and having the time of his life uh, celebrating with his, with his brothers and the team. Is uh, my, my question though, because and it's been uh, it's been unofficially official, but it's not actually official yet. Is that Jason Kelsey done? Is that no. Jason Kelsey retired? No. So see if the answers no. Then but I put this way. Sorry, I'll finish this. So if that the answers no, Jason Kelsey's back next year for the assuming the Philadelphia Eagles. How do you feel as an Eagles fan? Having watched him, not just celebrating, like, don't know, it's one thing if he's there, you know, he's in the box, he's his brother, a cuddle, well done, you're amazing, blah, blah, blah. He's been right in amongst it with another team. He's been wearing Chiefs gear. But even his wife, his wife refuses to ever wear, she'll wear red, but she won't wear Chiefs gear because that's not her team. He was decked up, the bloody the wrestling mask on. <laughs> How do, you, how do you deal with that, then go back and play? Because he could be in a position in a year's time where he's playing against the Chiefs in a Super Bowl. Yeah, how I do think you balance it, that? I think if it's the other way around, Travis does the same thing. I think if it's I'm an Eagles in the Super Bowl, he's in there decked out in Eagles gear for his brother. I think I think the Eagles fans will be fine with it, to be honest with you. I think, yeah. I, think, I, think he, I think he can get away with it because it's him. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I think that's exactly it. I think he's, he's such a crucial player to the, to the Eagles. I think, you know, he's done what he's done. He's kind of got that, you know, he's got the reputation of whatever he's done before before him to, to be allowed to do that, I suppose. I don't, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't think um, it was really um, bad, but... I'm, I'm the same as these guys. It's like, you've seen pictures of, Tra of Travis at Eagles games on his bye week. He's, he is decked out in the Eagles gear. Um, you can, if you listen to New Heights podcast or you watch the YouTube clips or whatever, you see the relationship they've got with each other. You've seen it last year in the Super Bowl where they're on the field crying together. They are so close as brothers. They've went through the same college together as well. Um, on the same college teams as well. They, they have that bond where they, as, if they're not playing against each other, they are 100% back the other one to go out there and smash it. So, And I think people respect that. And again, Jason Kelsey's basically earned himself the right to have the freedom of Philadelphia. I think the Eagles fans absolutely <laughs> love him. I guess he might actually um, just be a Chiefs fan. I think going back to your question about the retirement, I think the, the whole thing we, we spoke about this on Sunday, I don't know if we spoke about it on the pod actually. I think if Travis loses that, they retire together this season. Aye, I, I think, think that's why he's delayed because I think they wanted to do it probably together on the pod, both announced we are both retiring. But there's no way Travis is retiring now with a three-peat option. There's no. not a chance. Uh, then right, Jason has to decide, do I go and retire myself or do I wait another year and go well, with I Travis think, again? I think, that's, I think they want to do it together, but he needs to decide now Travis is going I back, what do I do? I think Jason's actually kind of said, and this is why I'm saying no, he's literally feels kind of galvanised with the Chiefs 
playoff run. And he's kind of openly said that. He's like, how could I think about retirement when I see how much fun Travis has actually been having um, and how good this run's been? So he, I think the energy he's got off the fans and being in the stadiums, it's just gave him that wee bug again for playing the game. Well, tell you what, talking about one one person who's got the bug for playing the game, too, a whole host of people who picked up the bug for playing the game. Uh, it sadly only took them a half hour of football to fucking find it. Um, so, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's unfair to say that offensively, offensively the game picked up in the second half. Um, I think and you've got a lot of factors for that. Big one for me, I actually just think you've got... Um, Particularly for the for the Kansas City side is we've what we Stuntz was saying earlier. You you had that fire lit under them. Now whether they have had I don't know, what, what do we think? Do we think that in the locker room they have had the, the kind of Sir Alex Ferguson hairdryer treatment with big red blowing those whiskers at them, the icicles flicking at them, ducking and diving to stay out of the way of them? Or did we have some like, I, I'm thinking, pick your favourite NFL film or your favourite college football film. It's always college football films when you've got the coach at half time. You know, I mean, if, if we get, if we get full heart, uh, clear eyes, full hearts, uh, kind of esque motivational speaking going on in that locker room, or if we get our foot being firmly wedged up some back ends to pull it out. Is it was, was, what, what, was our, what was the big differences that he's noticed? When we got into the, the second uh, the second half, we started the third quarter. Right, okay, it was not a vintage start as uh, as studs has already outlined. But once we started getting rolling in the third, we really started to see certainly for the Kansas side. Um, and then as we moved into the fourth quarter, the, the the Niners started to get going a wee bit more themselves as well on offense. What were some of the things that we started to notice were, were different or changing how the game was shaping up? Yeah, it still, it still took a while in that third quarter for the game to get going. Both teams went two possessions without, well, obviously the Chiefs, the interception, but it was still two possessions each before the Chiefs ended. Even when he did score, it was a field goal. Yeah. I mean, and that was with five minutes left in the, the third quarter before there was any more scoring in the game. So even straight after half time, both teams came out and, and it was still the same as it had been for the first half, really. Um, and then it kind of kicked into life. I mean, obviously the Chiefs get the, the field goal and then they get the, the touchdown th- three minutes later. Do you know what I mean? So. It kind of came at the end of the third quarters when the Chiefs, and I think because the Chiefs came to life, the 49ers had to come to life. That was, that was the thing, do you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's kind of, I mean, the, the thing is that the third quarter had, the second quarter had more points in the third quarter. That's <laughs> what I mean, you know, so only by three, but it still was the highest scoring quarter at the two of them. I mean, so it was, at the tail end of the third quarter, the game really came to life. I thought the big, the big thing was the specials teams play. I think that just it all seems to happen in games a lot of times. Is that um, when it hit off the 49ers' foot, um, and it obviously, and it also gave them a short field to get the touchdown. But it's just that kind of maybe that just momentum shift of like, like, like we're in a position to score now. We score great, and then we just, yeah. I think Casey after that just didn't really look back. I don't think you know, it just felt like, and also Mahomes is Mahomes, obviously. Obviously, probably the best quarterback in the league. Quarterback in the league, but you just the rest of the game, I thought. I couldn't see them losing it after that. I just, you just had that kind of feeling from that moment on. I thought, you know, obviously, 49ers got going a bit as well. I just, you just felt they had the momentum now. They knew that what they needed to do and, and were executing it when they needed to. Yeah. The thing is, though, the, the Chiefs would have lost it if they hadn't blocked that extra point. True. 
the Chiefs didn't look like losing it. At that point, they didn't really look like winning it either because that block point after was basically won them the game effectively. I mean, so. I mean, the, the muff punt was huge, to be honest. I'll say muff punt. I actually feel bad for the returner because he clearly hits the guy's foot and he tries to kind of recover it and just makes an absolute rip roar in it. Um, but for for me, even Brian was kind of saying, do we think there was foots wedged up passes in that locker room? For me, I, I think Andy Reid would have just sat back and let his leaders kind of do the talking. I mean, guys like Chris Jones, Nick Bolton, um, these are big big leaders in there, and they would have been, if it's me, I'm, I'm imagining they were absolutely reaming that offence and basically getting them told, yes, we are doing our job, you yeah. need to get a figure out. <laughs> I think we should put me in a punch. That's, that's exactly what I was going to say. That's exactly what it's just, it's just Chris Jones sitting down with like Patrick Mahomes and other receivers in front of him saying, Right, you lot, pull a finger out. <laughs> we are doing everything we can to keep your sorry ass in this game. You need to produce. They were, they were literally, I mean, the defence was literally, there was times where it was Ben, don't break, obviously, but. We thought about the Pat Mahomes interception um, straight off the bat. What did their defence come on and do straight after that? They held them at three now. It was literally the defence was absolutely balling throughout for the first quarter to the last quarter. They they did not let up. And those guys must, see, to be fair, I don't even know if they would have made the celebrations because they must have been so tired after what, they, what they'd put into the game. Do you know what I mean? You're, they were absolutely unbelievable. In that game, and then obviously the muff punt, we took that. MVS gets a touchdown, and as Liam says, that seemed to kind of kickstart the offense. They needed that one special teams play. Again, we were moving the ball for the field goals, but we weren't punching it in. And obviously, well, same moving the ball, Butker hits one for 57 yards to rob the longest kick title off Moody after about an hour. I felt bad you know for Moody I mean? losing that. I felt I felt for the boy. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, funny that. <laughs> it all hurt, mate. Nah, but I don't know. I seen one of the kind of stills of it today where Tommy Townsend's actually holding it. He's on the NFL, he's on the L on the NFL badge, just taking a shoot so close to kind of the halfway line. It's it's no real. But I mean to to have the balls for I mean Butka, I think was he maybe two more, two field goals away, I think, for by Vinatieri for the most playoff points by a kicker. It's some, some He's very, very close to some kind of record against... Like, Vinatieri's going to be a Hall of Fame kicker. There's no denying that. Um, you can't have the NFL story without Adam Vinatieri and what he done with the Patriots and laterally with the Colts. But for somebody like Butker to be that close to that record just goes to show how pivotal he's been for the Chiefs over the last um, five, six years um, since we picked him up for the Panthers uh, practice squad. Do you know what I mean? So, a step up, I mean, 57 yards is... <laughs> and again, Dan, I think you said that. Yeah, that was a low the... kick. Aye. <laughs> I think I'm I'm like, I'm I'm I was astounded that how good kickers have been maybe over the last five to seven years, how good kickers in the NFL are. But the, rec- the Moody one was a, a, a Super Bowl record. I'm like, there's nobody ever kicked one. I don't know whether that's down to not trusting the kickers or whether just not taking a chance of giving away midfield like that in a, mm. in a Super Bowl. But yeah. when I read, heard that was a record, I was like, I just, I just couldn't believe it. But you say, Studs, I, that Butker kick, 
field goal. I mean, he, he, had, he can kick them, but that was a very low kick the whole way. He was lucky it was they blocked or tipped, but I mean, I think it landed about a yard over the crossbar, right. but it was... I've seen him smash some kicks. But was that was not, he just stayed low the whole way. He's, he's not been too nice because evidently, and this is where I suppose where you're saying Dan's got a lot of merit. Evidently, he was drilling them for like 65, 70 yards in the, in the warm up. Yeah. I, thought, oh, I see. Where the three, three and out in your own 40. <laughs> Fourth down in your own 40, send it to kicking unit. Go for it. Have it. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's, that's makeable, that, mate. He's, he's done it before in kickoffs. He's knocked it through on kickoffs. But again, it's a very different... Obviously, it's on the, on the tee, kickoffs and stuff like that. So it is very different. But I've seen games where he's knocked it through in kickoffs. Butker has an absolute weight my leg on him. It absolutely can. And it's funny how often... Because um, it's much... Like special teams in general, much maligned. You know what I mean? They don't get... Special teams more often than not are the villain of a story. It's fairly infrequent that special teams in general get held up as the hero. And how often but that they are so pivotal in a game, whether we're talking about muff punts, blocked uh, extra points, blocked field goals, big long field goals. We didn't have, obviously it's an indoor stadium, so we didn't have any worry about wind and anything getting like wildly shanked off to the sides. But how often these things happen, I don't know. I'm, I, this is, I'm, I'm turning into stew. Oh, I'm really special. I have mere recognition for long snappers. That's what I'm about. <laughs> uh, the real heroes, the real heroes of this story. Tells the long snappers. Right. They're talking about uh, the, the real heroes of this story. The real heroes of, of every story, of course, are those who understand the rules of the story before it begins. Now, this is where, and I warned the guys before we get started, I'm not having any of this nonsense. Niners, your fans, your players, these are all fundamentally accurate. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know what the rules were before we got started. It's the Super Bowl. It is the single most important... Okay, I was going to say the single most important even of your career... If you're a Kansas City Chiefs player, it's one of the 17 most important evenings of your career. Away with this nonsense. Like, what, what did we make? Does anybody buy it? Did any, so, right, do you know what? Sorry, for the sake of everybody listening, the whole controversy, obviously we've got the old rules in overtime. You get possession. If you score a touchdown, game's over, you win. New rules, both teams are guaranteed an opportunity to score. Does enter some interesting notions of things you could do with onside kicks, but you are offered an opportunity to score. So it changes the tactics slightly. Do you want to try and push downfield first and set a marker, or do you want to know what target you have to beat? 49ers players are insisting that they didn't know that that's what the rules were this time, so they weren't too sure about it. Does anybody buy this? Does anybody no. buy that they didn't know what the rules were? Is anybody on Team San Francisco with this one? No. If you don't know the rules, I'm not saying whether I buy it or not, but if you don't know the rules, then why don't you know the rules? Because it's not as if it's just Super Bowl overtime rules. It's playoff overtime rules. So it's not as if this is only applies in a Super Bowl. You should know the rules of the game that you are playing. Obviously, Kyle Shanahan knew the rules because he, 
And his explanation, actually thinking about it now, was very clever. He yeah. thought, if we get a touchdown, we expect the Chiefs to get a touchdown, so we get the ball first when it goes to sudden death. 100% can agree with that choice now, the way he's explained it. But, in the day, what difference does it make if they knew the rules or not? It, it, it makes no material difference, really, to the game, because once it have spoken, I've said, oh, we've seen the rules on the big screen before overtime started. Right, but, well, you knew the rules before overtime started, then, so what difference does it make? Do you know what I mean? So you never scored a touchdown anyway, so the rules are irrelevant. They did my, all the excuses to do in my head. And Liam Studs, either of you two. Team, yeah, team I, thought, I, I, I thought it was odd as well. And even on that, like, okay, they took the ball to, to uh, took the because they won the toss, they took the ball. But then if they, if they were so new that Kansas City were going to score a touchdown, why did they take a field goal? Why didn't they didn't really make any difference if they score the field goal or not? They might as well just go for it and fourth down. If they get it, they get it. If they don't, they don't. It doesn't make any difference then at that yeah. point. It just didn't make sense. I think <laughs> the point they make is that they'll say that because if they go for it and miss it, the Chiefs only need a field goal to win it. Well, true. Giving yeah. a, they're giving them a short field to get that field goal. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, know, I get that, but then even still, like, it's I don't know. It's like if Shannon's going to come out and say they knew they were going to score a touchdown, then. You just take the risk, you know, and, and go for it. I don't know, but yeah. Right. So I don't buy it. Dan does they buy it. Liam does they buy it. I wonder if Studs buys their excuses. <laughs> I said, I'm going to have absolutely no sympathy for the 49ers. Let's be brutally honest on that one. <laughs> I do get Dan's point about the short field, right? I do get that. But they were on the KC9. They were in the red zone at fourth and four. If your belief is the Chiefs are going to get a touchdown, you damn Campbell the shit out of that and you go for it. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Yeah. If you if you don't get the fourth down, the Chiefs, and albeit fully expect the Chiefs to travel the length of the field the way they'd started to kind of to kind of move the ball. But fourth and four and inside their 10, you go for that and go for the touchdown. They'd already I think they already converted a fourth on that one. Um I know Purdy did convert a fourth earlier on. I don't know if it was on that particular time. Think... I think it might have been before regulation. Um, I think it was aye, before. I think it was, aye, I think it was on the field goal drive later on, uh, just before the end of the game. But nah, you you go for that fourth and four, AC nine, you go for it. Well, I don't I'll tell you what, Sorry, Brian. No, I was going to I thought then, right? You're Kyle Shanahan. Fourth and four, KC nine, Super Bowl. Game on the line. CMC has been relatively ineffective, so you can't say I'm just going to hand it off to him and he's I'll trust him to get more than four. If you've got like Prescott, CJ Stroud, um, pick a quarterback, not Brock Purdy. Do you go for it? Is that is has Kyle Shanahan looked at this and went, do I trust? Not necessarily my offense. Do I trust my quarterback to make this conversion? Because it's gonna need to be on his shoulders. CMC can't bank on that at this point. We can maybe bank on him for a reception. Maybe I banked on him for a passing play out of him. I don't think you could have banked on him on the ground. Coming in at less than four yards a carry on average over the course of the game. If he's got a Dak, a Tua, a Jameis Winston. I don't think this comes down to Purdy. Yeah. I think yeah. it comes down to the way the offence were playing in general. I don't think I think 
you try, I don't even trust his pub to make the play, but you're trusting your receivers to get old enough to make the catch, and they weren't doing it in the game. Um, but you should have played Juan Jennings, he would have caught it and they would have got the touchdown. So, <laughs> Juan Jennings would have sorry. converted the pass. He should have passed exactly. it to himself. <laughs> Juan Jennings would have marred it. So, maybe it was he didn't trust his receivers to come up with a play, because they weren't playing that well. When you said, Debo, three catches from 11 targets. I mean, I'm not going to say every one of those 11 targets was catchable, but when your defence has been inconsistent, do you take the guaranteed points? Well, I say guaranteed. It's still got to kick a field goal, but do you know what I mean? But, yeah, I mean, if I'm, if I'm in that position, obviously I never will be. You're, you're going for it. Because it's a Super Bowl. It's all to, you've got to go for it. But I can see maybe why you didn't. But whether I agree with it or don't agree with it is, is another point. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was down. Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't think it was down to the quarterback for San Francisco. Probably, given his due, he's been fantastic all season. I, I don't know. I know it's easy to say in hindsight, I'd definitely go for it. The other thing, but I suppose what's interesting, like you've been last game of the season, last last play potentially of your season, it's Kyle Shanahan. He's the master at dialing up something, dialing up a crazy play. You know, does he just, you, surely you've got a play that you know you can bank on is going to work no matter what. Like, look, look what Casey did at it. We'll get to that probably at the end of the game, the play they've called up. They banked on that. They knew knew it was going to work, basically, and they play, and they and they executed. You know, it, is it just down to that? I don't know. Well, tell you what, Liam, you have set this up perfectly, mate. Well done. Uh, <laughs> so, one of our, our final points because this this was the thing, and it's where because in saying I'm, I have been doing Puddy for the good year or the rest there. I've not been as impressed with Puddy this year as, as many have been. I think there's a lot, a lot of it. Don't be wrong, you can all play with the supporting cast you've got, but he's played with an incredible supporting cast all year. Um, he, he finished the game with a QBR of 69.8. Patrick Mahomes finished the game with a QBR of... Just shy of 90? No, 75.8. So he's further, way further up. Not a vintage performance by Mahomes. Certainly, when you need a big moment, when you need that big player, is this where fundamentally, and this is where Studs can just relish in this because he's been saying it for the past however many years now, if you've got Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback, you're never done. You're never done because his supporting cast is frankly irrelevant. <laughs> if he's the man under centre, is he the big player that will step up in the biggest of moments as we said, we've seen it. Niles drive, get the, the opening drive in uh, overtime, march down the field, ball shot in the red zone. Kansas City get to return that. Not the same story, is it? Is this, studs, is this a, just a case where when you've got, I was about to say anything is possible, just to rub my own face in that, that famous play from so long ago. Um, but is it when you have Pat Mahomes, anything is possible? Well, I brought him in way way just to take an answer on, <laughs> on as well. <laughs> I mean, sure, he's sitting beside me for this one. <laughs> see, see, before Studs gives his biased view on that question, can I quickly answer it? Go for it. <laughs> Studs, I don't know if you remember, we were quite a few beers in by this point, but there was a play in that final drive of the Chiefs where they were fourth and one. And I said to Studs, they're going to run up a quarterback keeper here. 
Because he put the ball in Pat Mahomes' hand. And I said that they'd done it earlier in the game. And I also wanted to do it because I had a bet on him to get as many rushing yards. But that's irrelevant <laughs> at this point. I said, I turned and said to Studs, you want get, keep the ball in Mahomes' hand here. He is your player. And, and there was, I don't know if it was, I've seen it, Mike Dutton. He basically could tell him, tell him, uh, Andy Reid, give me the ball. He he knew. Mm-hmm. And he dialed up that play. And the quarterback keeper, and he ran for 19 yards. Yeah, That, that is trust in your quarterback. Whether it's on his feet or, or, or through the air, that's when you know the, the, the head coach trusts his quarterback mm-hmm. explicitly. The, go, the, 19, point the <laughs> 19-yard one actually came after that. That was an eight-yard scramble that he got on. Was the that? Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but there was a cut. Mahomes, again, we spoke about it on the pod yesterday. Ah, yeah. Spoke about it a couple of times. He's a very underrated scrambler. Um, but as Dan said... So Pacheco had just tried to run the ball. We get no game. We're at fourth and one on our 34 game on the line. Who exactly what Dad said? Who do you want to have the ball? It's Papa Holmes. You put and there's no but there's no a quarterback in the league that I would rather see with the ball at fourth and one with the game on the line right now. There isn't anybody that I could turn around and say I'd rather it was him. I'd rather it was him. Do you know what I mean? I want the ball in Mahomes' hand. And what I found interesting, particularly in that that drive, and it, it showed it was the 19-yard scramble after that, we ran a play that I have never seen Kansas City run. As good as a runner as Mahomes is, we ran a QB draw for 19 yards. Now, and I turned around to Dan at that point and says, we've never ran a QB draw with Pat Mahomes. The, We've been scared to run QB sneaks with Pat Mahomes since he dislocated his kneecap against Denver. We use Noah Gray for our sneaks. And then at the biggest moment, we've just went, right, ball in the hands, go. And it just opened up for him, and it was off. It had these wee sprint, waddle, whatever you want to call it, and shaking the wee hacks, and it was away. It was great. (laughs) Was it that one, or was it the fourth down play where Kelsey was his lead blocker as well? Was that What one was that? I think that may have been the fourth down. I'd need to go back and look, but he got again. It goes back to people obviously talk about Kelsey carry block, Kelsey carry block. Kelsey's an underrated blocker. He just doesn't need to do it very often because he's a number one receiver. Um, But you seen it on that play. It took Kenny, who he had to take care of, to get Pat that breakaway, that space. And then I think Fred Warner eventually got um, on that one. And then we just continually started moving the ball down the field. I think that's what Andy not. I was going to say, Brian, I think the thing with Mahomes, um, I think it was even before the, the overtime, was the their final drive for their field goal. You had, it was just, you had what, what, just under two minutes, I think, on the clock. And you just yeah. knew, like, yeah. you just had confidence that he was going to drive that ball down. Okay, maybe not get a touchdown, but you knew he was going to drive it down at least for a field goal. And I suppose going back to the party point, would you have? Had that confidence if it was the other side, I don't think you would have. And it, you just kind of, even even actually, I was talking about my son's been up for the Super Bowl. They commented, oh, obviously, the 49ers have got the field goal just before that. You know, they're only two minutes left, there's no time at all. But it was like, it's Pat Mahomes, he's got loads of time, loads of time to drive that ball down, too much time. Yeah. And so. On that one, Liam, that's where he had his, I think it was his biggest scramble, he had his 33 yard one in that drive as well. So, Again, it's just he knows he knows when he can scramble and when he can break that contain in the pocket and and get those additional yards. And we've, we've seen it for the last six seasons, especially in the playoffs. Yeah, that was 
Uh, tw- 22 yard scramble. Uh, and it's one where it's it shows you about that, and it is interesting because is is Patrick Mahomes too valuable to scramble? Because you say you, you don't see Kansas don't run QB drops. They, they they don't. Well, they do, but not with the QB. Um, a TE draw. Um, because at the end of the day, if you try and run that, and Patrick Mahomes blows an ACL. That do you know what I mean? That don't know. No team. Well, few teams. Can survive losing QB one. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just not a thing. Um, Did you bring this back to the Browns? We we lost QB one, two, three, four. Jesus! At one point, I was taking phone calls. Um, but few teams can cope with that for good reason. Um, and when your QB one is Patrick Mahomes, it's even more of a reason um, to, to be a bit hesitant, maybe utilising them that way. But he was the top rusher on the night. I think that comes back to though, like we kind of touched on earlier, like about the Niners not going for it on the fourth down. It's your game on game on season on the line. So okay, you've been not wanting to run Mahomes in case he injures himself, but what have you got to lose? You try and make that play. It, blow, you know, it blows like you winning your Super Bowl, you take I know, it, you send them in the rehab. Yeah, I know <laughs> that, but like you take that you take that risk because it's a, you know it's the final game, you're you've got nothing else, to, you know, could yeah. be your last play of the season, you take that risk. And, and try and go for it, and obviously paid off, didn't win it, and didn't get injured. So, win win. Uh, as I think, it's just fucking shite that he plays for, not the Browns. Um, <laughs> not better. The Browns would ruin his knees anyway, so it's a good thing he does, isn't he? Uh, uh, right. That is bringing us towards the end of our show tonight, guys. Now, before before I do a, a little outro, we were sat talking about this before we came on tonight. There there is only one way for us to justly end our Super Bowl coverages. This is good. Gonna be a wee question at the end that's 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 looking ahead, but this is gonna draw a line under the season, under the Super Bowl, studs, take it away. So hold on, Pat's Pat's wanted to tell me something, so Oh, wait. So it says Tiger 12, Tom and Jerry right, gun traps right, bunch F shuttle. Oh, I do. Oh, it makes me so sick. Uh, but I do, I do love it when a play becomes famous. I love when a play call becomes famous. It is fantastic. Right. Okay. That does bring all things Super Bowl and all things season 2024 to a close. And what a year that it has been. Now, a closing question for us. We don't we, we do a kickoff question. We're gonna do we're gonna do a kneeling it out question uh, as we as we kneel our season out. So a two-parter again for, for all these guys. Um, what is your your favorite memory, your favorite moment of the year been? And what are you most looking forwards to next season? Um, I, I'll, I'll kick us off with it. One of my, my favourite moments uh, this year has been just the, the Joe Flacco story. You know, and it's calling it a moment's maybe a bit of a cop-out, but the Joe Flacco story, coming off the couch, helping to drive us into the playoffs, all of the stuff around that, it's been incredible. One of the things we love about the game, some of these stories. What am I looking forward to next year? I don't know looking forward to it. Is, is the right word. Uh, but I am most intrigued to see what the Cleveland Browns, theoretically, with uh, the missing piece, the number one quarterback, will Deshaun Watson be the player that 
we have seen he can be in the past or is his time and the Cleveland Browns' fortunes uh, absolutely past and gone. So, moving around the table, who wants to jump in? What has your, your moment of the year been and what are you most looking forward to for next season? Uh, we'll clockwise, I'll go next. I mean, go for it, Dan. On you go, you take it, mate. Moment of the year, I think. I'm going to be a bit cheat here and get, kind of give you two, but one's a homer pick. One of them has been is the is the emergence and the growth of CJ Stroud. I think it's just been remarkable. I don't think we've seen a quarterback come into the league and have that much of an impact that quickly. Um, so that that was great. But from a homer point of view, my, my moment of the year is Deron Bland getting the, the pick six record. That was just I mean that and the call from Jim Nance and Tony Romo at the time when it, when, it, when that happened. Yeah, Deron Bland pick six records. My my moment of the season. See, see, just sticking a button on that one, Dan. Have you heard the Dallas radio call on it? No, I've not even look it up. I'll try and find it and send you. Um, they played it. The guy on the radio's like, "Hello, house. It's the house calling. Here's Deron Bland." So that's <laughs> <was> pretty good. <laughs> that's so crap. Uh, it's great. Oh, it's it's good. Looking forward for me, I think um, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, with the new. Mike Zimmer coming in uh, and losing Dan Quinn and uh, Aiden Durdy, I think. So how our defence going to shape up next year? We have got a lot of free agents as well. We can't re-sign them all. Uh, and some key players in that defence are within that free agency. So we could have a completely new look defence next year. New scheme, new players, new coaches. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to... Maybe I'm looking forward is maybe the wrong way to look at it. Maybe looking a bit anxious about how our D that has been so dominant is going to shape up going into next season. It's going to be a big one. Liam, what about yourself? What's your, your moment of the year been? Uh, or to be oh. fair, is me and Dan have both absolutely knackered this idea of it being a moment, given that I picked a, a six-game spread with a new quarterback, and he went for two, diff- two totally different things. I was going to go completely home, obviously, about loves, loves the year, but Kind of on that related, not I'm going to go. I mean, it's not always my favorite moment because I don't want anyone to get injured, but just the biggest moment I think after the build up, the pre season to build up to the year was first week of the season and Aaron Rodgers getting injured <laughs> straight away off the bat. You know, nothing against him, obviously moving on. Obviously, cost us a, a first round pick again, another first round pick for the Packers, only, only a second this draft, but um, it was just a build up, all the chatter, hard knocks, and then suddenly that happens, you know. So, yeah, that was. It was just like any other Aaron Rodgers story, a twist, shall we say? So, um, yeah. or a sprain, or a break. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, but um, and then kind of looking forward, I suppose, kind of a bit like Dan, I suppose, the pa- going against the Packers, new DC coming in, Jeff Halfley, if, uh, Barry out, be interesting to see what he does finally with all these first round picks we keep drafting, uh, that we can't really do anything with, apparently. So, we'll see. See if it happens. <laughs> right, coming to you, studs, to round, round us off, mate. <clears throat> well, I, I, I'm obviously going to go home or pick for the moment of the year because I can't actually believe we spoke about the whole Super Bowl show and never even mentioned the final touchdown, game-sealing touchdown winner, Nicole Hardman. Um, leaving, leaving the Chiefs to join the Jets at the start of the season in free agency, only to get traded back when they'd done hee-haw on the Jets. Um, to then turn up and score that game winning drive, which again, as we discussed pre pod, is literally the same play that Tony and Sky Moore scored with last year. 
Um, so now nah, for me, moment of the year is obviously going to be the McCall Harden and Super Bowl to win it when apparently blacked out after he caught it and didn't even realise that he'd won the game. <laughs> That's, that's a bit worrying if that's like if he's been really genuine. That's like a bit frightening. I know he, he says on his interview straight after he's like, I blacked out after I caught it. It's like, I hardly realised that was a game winner. I don't know if he's literally just went into the mindset of right, there's another drive coming, that's a touchdown, let's go again type thing. Um, but I partly blacked out and you see it in the Mahomes is mic'd up um, yeah. in some of the clips yeah. and you see Mah- see Mahomes kind of run up to him and, and actually tell them that's what we've won the game. <laughs> that's the way he realizes. So, but I actually seen on McCall Hardman's Twitter, he's obviously got that game ball um because he's got a photo on his Twitter they have with the game the game ball for the winning drive. Nice. So right. and um, then terms of kind of look right, forward. Go on, to, see it, see it. Terms of looking forward. Obviously, the chance of the three people doing something that no other team in history is is at the forefront of what to kind of look forward to. Um, that is the obvious one, but I suppose one of the things I've been quite happy to see is um, Brett Feature's comments about the off season and the fact that his priorities are Lajaris and Chris Jones. Um, I think they are two cornerstones of that defence. Um, listen, Chris Jones is a game wrecker. I actually think I, I'm kind of worried that we're not going to be able to pay him um, enough. I think he's going to be the top, the top paid defensive tackle in the league. Uh, or that's certainly where he's looking to be. Um, and again, he, he's earned that, right? He's he's a three-time Super Bowl winner. Uh, so, and then Lajaris Sneed, I think, has just went for strength to strength every year he's been with the Chiefs under Spags. So you want him paid as well, um, especially based on what we've seen from this year. So excited and nervous to see what happens with those two players. And to be fair, you have been consistently singing the praises of uh, Chris Jones for forever. So, absolutely. <laughs> I wanted them sign right. last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were, yeah, you were, you were quite vocal, sir. You were quite vocal. Um, right. Well, there's no preview crew this week because Dan's work shy, uh, and the season's <laughs> over. Um, and the crew are all going to have a few well-earned rest weeks. Uh, for what I heard, Keith's taking us out to Disneyland. Of all coats. I think so. Are we not getting together to watch the parade on Wednesday? Uh, no. <laughs> I, I think you should be going to Vegas just to drive a bus around the stadium. But I think um, I said that on, on the Chiefs preview. How funny would it be to actually hire a bus and go around Vegas as part what? of the parade? Do a, a parade in Kansas and then do another parade in Vegas just to piss off the Raiders? From, from Kansas to Vegas. <laughs> just read the whole way uh, right uh, but yes with all that said we will be back in March um, as the news crew will kick things off uh, and we'll be starting to look ahead to, to the NFL draft the training camp and then eventually to the new season um, Dan thank you very much for joining us today sir it's uh, obviously not your usual stomping ground but thank you very much for appearing to chat about all things Super Bowl with us. No, no, it's been a pleasure. I mean, I just want to make a point. It's 204 days, 2 hours, 44 minutes, and 10 seconds until kickoff day. <laughs> basically, basically tomorrow. Yes. Uh, 
Liam, the only you'll you'll let me, Liam. The only way is up. The only way is up. All we can be doing is looking onwards to the next the next exciting season. Uh, thank you very much for joining me once again, mate. Indeed, indeed, it's been it's been great all season to to chat things off football. So yeah, looking forward to an off season. See where see where it all leads. And studs, can't believe I'm gonna say this. Congratulations. <laughs> You know, I am not going to say the best team of the season won the Super Bowl, but I am going to say the best team on the night won the Super Bowl. Uh, so yeah. congratulations, studs. Thank you for joining us. I am assuming you're just going to be very gracious about this and barely mention it at all. Uh, listen, absolutely. The best team in the playoffs won. The best playoff team won. <laughs> I think it'd be fair to say. Yeah, do you know, I, do you know I'd, I'd maybe concede that. I'd, I'd, I'd maybe agree with that. I'd, yeah. What? Uh, we'll, we'll, we've already moved on to the next one. It's on to the 3 now. I, I, I thought it was insufferable when I was talking about my potential fantasy 3 Pete. This is going to be really insufferable. He's talking about actual 3 Pete. <laughs> Thank you very much, guys. Now, everybody, remember, you can still keep in touch with the crew. You can get us on X at Crew. You can find us on Insta, grid underscore iron underscore crew. Stick grid iron crew into YouTube, stick it into Twitch, stick it into everywhere you get your podcasts. You will find us there. Help grow the community, get in touch, give us a like, give us a subscribe. And until next time, and, and I'm, I'm sorry, lads, I'm sorry. It's time to start this sign off again. Thanks, everybody. And remember, the crew will see you through. <laughs> see you later, folks.